This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Seahawks insider Stacey Rost here with the quarterback, Jake Heaps. We're excited to be here. Starting off on this Monday night with yeah, you guys. Yeah, let's go. We have a great we have a great show lined up for you. I think a couple hot button topics that we are each of us. I think are are uniquely about. fired up about two things. Uh, one is about Russell Wilson's contract. That's actually mine. That's my hot topic today. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's coming your way later this hour. We were also talking about. Uh, Bobby Wagner's contract. Brock Heward earlier this morning offered his offered his advice. What he'd tell Bobby Wagner. Which caused Jake Heaps to get a little fired up himself. We're going to talk about that at seven thirty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Yeah, a lot there's, there, up. there's a lot going on. So we're let's uh, let's get right to it, Stacy. Let's get into the timeline. Seahawks mandatory minicamp starts tomorrow and goes through Thursday. All three days are open to the media. Practice starts at one thirty p.m. We'll have takeaways afterwards. Here's what um, bothers me about Seahawks mandatory minicamp. This isn't information you asked for, but it's information I'm telling you. Yes. I ate something. Yes. Yes, you did. (laughs) And I have hives or like some kind of rash all over my skin and arms. I'll tell you why this is important information you need to know. Because it's going to be so hot this week and we're going to be outside at Seahawks headquarters. (laughs) Jake, me, everyone else that I don't want to stand in front of with like red itchy skin and, uh, and we're going to be watching Seahawks practice, and I'm going to be miserable. Well, you just got to play through the pain. You know, I think a You're lot right. of for, – for teams to really make their decisions on franchise players, they need to see how they're going to play through pain. I need to pain. prove that I can handle this it. This is your chance for You're 710, right, right? To, to show what you're made of, to show your teammates, to show your squad here at Seattle Sports at Night what you're made of. Okay, what if instead I just call in sec? Uh, then you probably okay. lose a lot of lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, respect. A lot of respect, right? <laughs> uh, let's former uh, sad news. Former Red Sox slugger David Ortiz is in serious but stable condition after sustaining a gunshot wound that was in the Dominican Republic. Ortiz was shot while at a club uh, yesterday evening. He was reportedly approached from behind in public by the gunman who fled on a motorcycle after the shooting. According to ESPN, Ortiz underwent, and I didn't know this, a six-hour surgery to repair wounds to his liver and intestines and also had his gallbladder removed. That was from ESPN.com. Thankfully for Ortiz, the lead surgeon there said they don't expect him to have any lingering side effects, but a story that just felt like it kept getting worse and worse. For sure. And at some point in time, we were wondering what this was eventually going to turn into for David Ortiz. And so much love and support was poured to him uh, as news broke and and from all over the sports world. Uh, Baseball, obviously, but you could see the impact that Big Poppy has had all across sports, and uh, he has just been not only a great player, but also a great personality and and human being, and so great to uh, see that he has come out on the other side of this, uh, that he's going to not only live, but that he is going to be able to uh, still do the things that he was doing before this occurred, and a scary moment without a doubt. For sure. Happening now, Kevin Durant makes his return for Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Someone needs to text in to the Coors Light text line 710-710. I don't have the game in front of me yet. I'm going to pull it up on my phone, (laughs) but I have to wait until a break. I saw someone tweet that Durant went down. Text 710-710, kind of give us an update on KD. Uh, the fact that he was returning to the game, obviously the big news from today. Curtis had almost fully convinced me of the conspiracy theory that Durant had 
torn his Achilles. Yeah, that's that's what Curtis was going on. I, I mean, he's big into conspiracies. He is, but I said on Seattle Sports at Night on Thursday with Curtis, my big if true was that Kevin. this whole stage was going to be set. Game 5 was going to come, and they were going to be down 3-1, and mm-hmm. this was before the game happened, and that Kevin Durant was going to come back, and he was going to try and play the hero role for the Warriors. And this is ah. an opportunity for KD, honestly. This is a big opportunity for KD to show not only the Warriors organization, but the NBA, that this team absolutely needed Kevin Durant. And large large and due to the fact that he's most likely not going to be with the Warriors uh, in the in the coming future, that he's probably going to be playing somewhere else. And so I think KD's uh, persona or, or public figure has kind of dwindled a little bit since mm-hmm. making the move from OKC to the Warriors. Uh, I think everybody still regards him as one of the best players in the world, but I think his... I think that's been kind of tainted for him since he has gone to a super mega team. Uh, and this is an opportunity to kind of show how important he really is to that Warriors team with all that star-studded talent. I agree. And from the 425, he's already out again. Uh... 425, please be our eyes and ears. We don't have a TV it's, in it's here true. right now. Just keep us updated, man. Wow. <laughs> Just, wow. 425, I appreciate you helping us right now. Yes, thank uh, you. Let's get to the other finals game happening. The Bruins forced Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals after beating the St. Louis Blues 5-1 to in Game 6 Sunday. Uh, this one was a heartbreaker. Lydia Cruz, huge Blues fan, also of her own show, The Blitz, at 6 a.m. and with Brock and Salk, she uh, made me a Blues fan. Um, I'm not yes. as invested, but I try to be. <laughs> I, I, I'm mostly her own hype man. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say, and I, she will be mad at me for this, but I'm kind of glad there's a Game 7. Really? I like drama. Wow, okay. I uh, was wondering, I saw this on the timeline. I'm going, okay, new converted Blues fan. I wonder how you're going to react to this. And this is not how a Blues fan should react to this news right here, Stacy, you need to step up your game. And unfortunately, I think for for Lydia as well, and you, Stacy, of course. That I <laughs> yeah, think don't that forget, this... I'm maybe the biggest Blues fan, Correct. at least in this room right now. Yes, for sure. I, I think going the fact that Boston was able to take this to Game Seven, it's going to be played in Boston. I don't know. I just got a feeling that Boston's going to be able to wrap this thing up. And our four two five reporter in the field says that's what I'm here for. Hopefully, it's just a calf cramp. So we'll see what happens. With KD. Uh, moving on, I know you and Curtis uh, got to this a little bit because this actually happened during last week, but Eagles extend QB Carson Wentz. A few more details have since come out about that deal. He signed a four year, $128 million extension with Philadelphia. Uh, Wilson still owns the biggest deal overall, signed recently with Seattle, obviously, but Wentz does get just a little bit more guaranteed money. I think that this is something that was just kind of expected to happen. Yeah, for sure. And and you knew that when Russell was going to sign his deal, that it was going to help elevate all the other quarterbacks around him. It may not have changed the market. It may not have set a wild precedent, Mm -hmm. but it definitely elevated the market for these other young quarterbacks such as Carson Wentz to be able to benefit from this. And uh, I think it's a good deal for both sides, honestly. For Carson Wentz, he has to prove that he can stay healthy and be that that franchise, game-changing franchise quarterback. Uh, But the Eagles also get a pretty reasonable deal out of this compared to the rest of the quarterback market. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. And again, with the guaranteed money, the funny thing about that is it's not fully guaranteed. Uh, this guarantee that we're seeing right now, it is injury guarantee. So 
after really the second, third year of Carson Wentz's contract, the Eagles can cut bait uh, if he is uh, if he is healthy. That's interesting. Some XFL developments. Johnny Menzel is interested in playing for the XFL in Houston. Also, locally, former Washington wide receiver Kaysen Williams invited to the XFL Dallas Showcase, and that was along with former Seahawks running back Kristen Michael. A lot of big names. Uh, I'm I'm yes. interested in the XFL. I am. I know that uh, Curtis, me, and you, you know, panned the Alliance of America. And, and a lot of the AAF problems we had after the fact, when Correct. everything kind of came to a head. Uh but given that, I'm now intrigued to see what the XFL brings. Yeah, there's no surprise that Johnny Manziel is interested in playing for the XFL, and especially in Houston. I mean, it's mm-hmm. right there for him. Yeah. It would be an incredible market for him to play in, uh, you know, basically at home. And you know, people would fill the stands to watch him play. And again, it, it, to me, it would be obnoxious just because Johnny Manziel again getting another opportunity uh, when he has blown so many yeah I mean it's just it's been tough to watch over the course of that time but hey here's another one that's that that could be there for him uh my boy Kaysen Williams I know went to the XFL Dallas showcase and did a great job down there and he is primed and ready to roll he's excited for it be interesting to see the names that come out uh as you move along Landry Jones was also another quarterback that came out and uh I will be telling you guys right here that uh I will be at the Seattle Showcase well, for the XFL well, well. Uh, come next weekend. So we'll see what happens. Let's I'll go, go out there and spin it and see what see what ends up unfolding down the road. Woo! So Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens on um, all that. But this is, when you talk about this, there was an opportunity for me with the AAF, uh, and there just was something about it. I couldn't give you one little thing because on the football side of things, like you just mentioned, right. everything looked like this was going to be a class Yeah. Uh, Oh, I was pumped. A a class deal all the way. Uh, But I just had a feeling that this just wasn't ready. And the XFL, from everything that I've heard and whatever they've shown, that having that extra year to kind of sit back and watch from the AAF, they didn't rush it. Uh, They've got the money. They've got the plan in place. And they do have the TV deal. So this is an interesting thing. Of course, there's always, for a new league, there's going to be bumps along the way. And Mm -hmm. so you just hope that they're not going to end in the fashion of what the AAF did. Did Have you ever seen Mean Girls? Oh, of course. Um, You know how Regina George's mom watches them do the play and she's like recording with her recorder and doing the dances and really excited? That's going to be me and Curtis. I know that at the XFL Showcase, we, we will not be invited um, somehow we will sneak in, and we're going to be like someone's obnoxious mom. Yeah, Seattle, with like a Mem- Seattle Memorial Stadium is yep. where where it'll yep. be at. Yes, I'm so excited to embarrass you. Um, <laughs> right. No, I'm kidding. I would never. I would never. <laughs> Coming up next, Jake and I will preview Seahawks minicamp, which starts tomorrow. We'll get you started with a primer. What are the rules? What are the players we're watching? Who's in? Who's out? That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Seahawks insider Stacey Rost, joined by the quarterback, Jake Heaps, and we are getting you guys ready for Seahawks minicamp. That all starts tomorrow, goes through Thursday. Practice kicks off at 1.30 p.m., Yours truly will be there along with Jake. Yeah, uh, three straight days. Three straight days of Seahawks football. Are you kidding me? Let's go. This Um, would be awesome. Now, Stacey, you had wrote an amazing article. Thank you, Jake. On 710sports.com. And uh, I had a chance to uh, uh, 
I had a chance to read it, learn. You're learning a lot today. I am, yes. And I wanted to kind of rapid fire some questions at you because All right. All right. I, I think that, you know, the people need to if they haven't read the article on 710sports.com. Check it out, then, 710sports.com. <laughs> then, Stacy, uh, break it down for the people here. What, All right. In terms of how different is OTAs for the players in terms of OTAs, we were dealing with that, and now we go into mandatory minicamp. What, what should we expect? So they are on the field. It's going to look like kind of a similar product, but there are minor changes. And here's the thing. It's not going to seem like a ton locally, um, because Seattle isn't dealing with any big contract issues outside of their ongoing negotiations with Bobby Wagner. But this would be a huge deal if, let's say, the Earl Thomas holdout was still going on, because minicamp is obviously mandatory. That's what makes it different from OTAs. And the Seahawks didn't really have any attendance issues with OTAs. I know the first day right. there were a couple guys out. Trey Flowers, Geno Smith, both were gone for family reasons. But I would say, wouldn't you, that they had otherwise attendance was totally fine absolutely for OTAs, it, was it a, usually is it was a drama it was a drama free yes. off season and that's the biggest drama that there's been has been bobby wagner's contract yeah. and that really has been a non-issue since bobby has shown up he's been participating uh by all accounts he has not been disgruntled uh and, and all those things so for for the first time in a long time the seahawks have had easy a very easy offseason in regards to who is showing up. And so normally you'd be able to, because it's a mandatory team activity, maybe you could find someone for not being there. Like in training camp, you can accrue fines if you don't go to training camp and you're under contract. Yes. Um, Franchise players are obviously exempt from this. But I don't know, and I asked Brock Hewitt about it earlier today, and, and he says this seems doubtful that the team would find Bobby Wagner because Bobby isn't participating on the field, but he's very much an active participant in practice. He's Correct. obviously still working out. This isn't a guy that's um, not showing up and not helping younger players. You and I watched him throughout OTAs. Um, plenty of young linebackers talking him up the whole time. So the main difference for players is that it is mandatory. It's not an option. And so internally, stuff that isn't obvious for us or fans, yes. they have things like maybe a stricter schedule. So instead of suggesting time blocks when you should be there, the team can say, this is the time you're here. Correct. And they're there all day long. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's th- that is intensive. The, yes, it, it is a different three days. It is more along the lines of what you'll see in a training camp. Yes, it's like uh, mini training camp. Exactly. Almost. And so you're, you're getting an all-day schedule for the players, whereas before in OTAs, it was more of a eight to two ish schedule. Mm-hmm. Where now they will be there all day long, morning, morning until the late evening. Uh, now, Stacy, who do we have out? This is one of the things that I've heard conflicting reports on in yeah. terms of who's out, who's sitting out in terms of veterans, and mm-hmm. is there any new injuries? There. Okay, so I'll start with new injuries because we don't have updates on them yet, so they're pretty brief. So Marquise Blair and Travis Homer. Both rookies, uh, Marquise Blair is a safety, Travis Homer is a running back. They started uh, last week's OTAs and the week before OTAs just fine. Both were at some point either injured or maybe just there was some kind of issue where they were then sidelined towards the last practice that we went to. We didn't get a chance to talk with Pete Carroll, so we don't actually know what those injuries are. Um I mean, I was I was trying to look and see if there were like any obvious wraps or anything, but it's it's hard to tell. I mean, I didn't I didn't see anything. It's not like either we're like in crutches yeah. or something, but we won't have an update on them. There are some players that will be are expected to be out for minicamp. Um and these were the guys where we talked to Pete Carroll day one of OTAs and he said 
these guys aren't going to be ready till training camp. Mm-hmm. The longest timeline is, as you know, Ziggy Ansa dealing with that shoulder injury. He doesn't have a strict timeline. Um, he's widely expected to miss most, if not all, of the preseason. So right. I wouldn't even like pen him in as a training camp participant. Do you agree? I would agree with that, absolutely. You're hoping that Ziggy Ansa is going to start participating somewhere probably about mid-August. Uh, that that doesn't necessarily that mean he is a part of full activities mm-hmm. that he's starting to get integrated into individual drills and then slowly work his way into eleven on eleven, uh, and, and that happens later on in camp. But you're trying to get Ziggy Ansa ready to go for this season, yes. and in all accounts that we've heard so far, is that's probably going to be mid September, uh, unless Ziggy's timeline just drastically changes and it's it's either. He is falling behind in his rehab, or it has been sped up, and things are progressing quickly for him. And so, yep. hopefully, the latter happens. But yeah, you're you're not going to see the Ziggy Ansa show uh, when you're Anytime out there in training soon. camp. Yeah, Correct, exactly. Yep. Uh, some other longer term injuries: Bradley McDougald, who had a, an off season knee surgery. Uh, Chris Carson had Carol called it a procedure, so I don't know if it's the same surgery. I don't know if it's a less invasive one, but he's not expected to participate. Uh, Nas Jones has a knee issue. Delano Hill um, is recovering from a hip injury. So unfortunately for Delano, he suffered that hip fracture so late in the season. I think it was after week 16. Yes. So he's only five months recovered from that hip fracture. So he'll also be out um, all through this break, and then they'll come back in training camp. And along with him will be Jaron Reed. Now, Jaron Reed, if you're on the field and you're watching, and Jake, I know you saw this too, he's still getting his own workouts, and all these guys are still getting workouts. Like Bradley McDougald was was dancing. It's just they, the team doesn't want to take risks when they don't have to. Correct. For guys like Jaron Reed and Bradley McDougald, Jaron Reed is absolutely going through protocol right now for mm-hmm. him, and, and his timeline will be sometime around the start of training camp. So you should expect Jaron Reed to be ready to roll by that time. Yep. Bradley McDougald is absolutely healthy right now. They just don't want – I mean, what he was dealing with basically was a, a nagging knee injury, almost essentially like arthritis. It wasn't exactly that, right. but just to give you an example of what you're dealing like with. Like a tendonitis. Exactly, kind of a tendonitis deal in his knee. And so the more rest that he can get – the better it is for him long-term. Well, and the senior most member of that secondary, you really don't want to risk something happening. Imagine the secondary without Bradley McDougald right now. Absolutely. It would be scary. And so taking care of a player like that is of the utmost importance. And that's really what they're doing, especially in a guy like K.J. Wright as well. Yeah. A guy who he is just fine uh, in, in all accounts, but really making sure that he's coming back and when he is ready to step on the practice field mm-hmm. and take on that workload, that he is ready 100%. And that's kind of what you have to do with some of these key guys for sure. uh, coming off of these types of injuries. And a couple of them, too, are older players where it's like, look, they've proven that they are starting players. They've yes. proven their starting caliber. They don't need to prove anything. They aren't trying to necessarily earn a roster Correct. Spot. This isn't Rashad Penny who is trying to learn how to become a pro. Exactly. Right? These guys have been there, done that. They have shown a body of work that you can trust them to take care yep. of their business, and they will do so. But and... it's more important that they take care of their body. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, just kind of a last one would be Bobby Wagner, who I just mentioned. I am assuming that Bobby Wagner just as he did in OTAs, is not going to be participating on the field um, in minicamp. And I'm expecting him to be there and to be talking with players, but I also kind of understand the reasoning just kind of objectively from from just kind of uh, standing away and looking at it. I think that 
this is someone who says, well, K.J. Wright suffered that knee injury. He's close with K.J. Wright. K.J. Mm-hmm. Wright suffered that knee injury when he started working out in the offseason, and he had to have surgery a week before the season started. The last thing I want to do if I'm trying to become the highest-paid linebacker in the NFL is suffer an injury on the field. Absolutely, and that has happened through this OTA season. So it, Bobby Wagner has done everything the right way. There's no surprise there. That's how Bobby Wagner has done everything uh, since he has gotten into the league with the Seahawks. And so, uh, again, this leads to an interesting discussion that we'll get into here uh, in the next segment. But, Stacy, before before we go to break here, I want to ask you, who who is your sleeper pick uh, for, you know, just breakout player okay. during minicamp or, uh, or moving forward through the whole offseason OTAs and minicamp? A great question. I'm going to go – okay, so I'm going to go super sleeper. I think Terry Wright, undrafted wide receiver out wow. of Purdue, was kind of interesting. Here's okay. the thing. Okay. Wide receiver, to me, is the most wide-open battle. For sure. So I think there are guys where um, you would want Jacob Martin. Jacob Martin would be an easy answer for this just in general. A guy who uh, wasn't a your starting defensive end last year, but has a chance to really have a stellar season if he can kind of get it all together in time. And it's not that he didn't have it together. It's that he's going into his sophomore year. Right. Um, But I think that if I'm going super sleeper with, with someone that uh, like undrafted free agent, I think that wide receiver pool is, is really interesting. Yeah. That's a great question or a great answer. The, the slot receiver position is wide open and Terry Wright has made a lot of plays for an undrafted uh, rookie free agent, uh, it's been really impressive. And they have known in their history, a la Doug Baldwin, that right. they're not afraid to play that type of player. Whoever's the most productive, the guy who earns the trust of Russell Wilson, yep. is going to be the guy that wins that job. And for me, I would say the sleeper pick is Jaron Brown. Uh, now, Jaron oh. Brown has had a great offseason so far and really, to me, has been a surprise in terms of how he has handled this whole situation, especially with DK Metcalf. Yeah. And, and I think that Jaron Brown has an opportunity as he, if he continues to go on this progression uh, to earn that trust of Russell and be a great uh, secondary option outside of Tyler Lockett. And I believe that if he can step up and DK Metcalf can go along uh, as well and keep continuing to grow, yeah. that you're going to have a, a pretty nice, solid uh, receiver core for Russell Wilson heading into the year. And it's going to be so interesting going from your starting two primary targets are smaller, quick receivers to going to all of a sudden you're using guys that play on the outside that are big dudes. It's just, yes. it's a it's a kind of formula the Seahawks haven't really had before. That would be fascinating. It would. Coming up next, is Bobby Wagner's contract a sure thing? And if so, why the wait? That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I am Seahawks insider Stacy Rost here with the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Jake. Yes. Ub. Yes. You were, uh, you came in pretty fired up today. Uh, well, first of all, I had to let you in the building. Uh, yes, thank you. My uh, did you lose your key card? No, my key card has been temporarily packed. Oh, so as okay. of right now, okay, we are we are fair. moving. We're in the middle of moving. Got it. And the fun part about renovating a house is that everything's is, a mystery. Where did I put it? Correct. And not only that, but we thought that we were going to be moved in like last week. Yeah. And it just so happens that like the projects that we're trying to get done are 
subcontractors haven't been able to get it done on time and in the right places. So we've been delayed and delayed and all delayed. All right, all right. So, yeah, until the meantime, unfortunately going to be bugging everybody uh, That's okay. to let me in the building. Please let me in the building. It's a very long walk for my short legs. <laughs> I know. I know how hard that was. It took me ten minutes to get from the sports pit to the front door. It's like twenty feet. Yeah, I'm that guy right now, and I feel bad. I've done it to pretty much everybody so far. Yeah, I'm. I'm not looking to get steps in. Um, but after I let you in, yes. Um, you just almost immediately were like, "Man, something Brock said today. You know, it's really stuck with me, and it's really an interesting conversation." So we we listened to that audio and started talking about it, and. You know what? It is an interesting conversation and one that I felt like we had just talked to death. And that is Bobby Wagner's contract situation. And it overall is something that all of us are tracking. No one's bored of it, but it's there's not a lot of movement right now. Correct. But one thing you said uh, really stuck with me. Yeah, I think there was a part of it for me where I came into the building and I was half half frustrated and half concerned. Um, because with Bobby's contract, I think he's handled everything the right way. He's done everything the right way. And in, in large part, I think in, in accordance to Bobby, this has kind of gone how he's wanted it to in terms of no drama in the media and extra talks about him sitting out and, and all of those things that you normally see within a contract negotiation. He didn't, he didn't take any time off from being in the building uh, like a lot of guys do, they hold out. Uh, Bobby hasn't done any of that, and he's tried to make himself as available as possible, which also leads me to believe, and I've said, that the best time to get a deal done is now. Now is the best time. And it has been concerning to me that it hasn't gotten done or that there's been no conversation towards it getting done. Now it could, but there was one thing that Brock Heward said this morning that really got me thinking. Put a deadline on training camp. We've seen deadlines, right? They, they, they spur activity and action and did so with quarterback on two different occasions. Uh, it is one, Russell, two, Bobby. Prioritization, just the level of voice, the captaincy on this team, it is one and two. You watch Russell Wilson do it even in mid-April with just a, just a faux deadline to get action done and activity done. Now, to me, it's very frustrating to hear that a suggestion would be to put a deadline out there. That Bobby Wagner would need to do, have, would need to put a deadline out there on the Seahawks to spur action. So you're saying why is the onus on Wagner? Correct. Yeah. To poke and prod the Seahawks to get things going forward. And maybe they are going on behind the scenes and there's going to be a contract that's going to be announced and there's a new deal done in the next couple of days and I'm just blowing hot air right now. That's what I'm hoping is happening. But from what I have seen in terms of behind the scenes and and stuff moving forward was Russell's contract was not an easy thing and that the deadline was absolutely necessary when it's all said and done and looking at this from like a 30,000 foot view, it was needed to get things done because even with the deadline being placed, being put in place, the Seahawks waited all the way up until that deadline to even have initial conversations. And it wasn't like they had, uh, you know, great communication going back right. and forth. And that's why you saw kind of the conversation and the drama that came around the, the contract. And I would hate for that to be the case with Bobby because Bobby has gone out of his way, out of his way to avoid the drama with the Seahawks uh, in the media. And he's tried to do everything the right way. 
And to me, I think that this that the organization should absolutely reward a guy like that when not only he's it's not just for sentimental reasons. This is your arguably your best player next to Russell Wilson. It's not even a debate. One or two, Russell Wilson, I say, is number one, and Bobby Wagner is a very close number two in importance on this team. And not only as a player, but also to what he means to this organization, what he means to that coaching staff, what he means to that to his teammates in that locker room. His presence is vital for this team's success. So when you know all of those things, Stacey, to me there is no reason why you should sit and wait to try and get this thing done, especially at this time of year when it's the perfect time to get done before you uh, break minicamp, you head off, and now this is your opportunity if you're Bobby Wagner. if you, This is your opportunity if you're Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Matt Thomas to step away from the facility and go on a vacation and relax and get you know a little R&R before training camp. Okay. Here's what I'll say. Okay. And I want to know I want to know how you feel about this because I think that this might be uh the kind of common perception of how not just how it'll go down but how it should go down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what would you say to someone who says, "Well, you know, the Seahawks just had a lot going on. They had the draft. They had Russell Wilson's contract. They had rookie camp. They had to get contracts done for all their rookies. Then they had OTAs. Now they have mini camp. Bobby Wagner is representing himself. His last deal was done in August at the beginning of training camp. What's the harm in uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll and Bobby Wagner taking the six weeks off? You, you relax. You get a little pina colada, little umbrella in it, some snacks. Mm-hmm. Chill out, watch some Netflix, catch up on some good shows, lots of good murder docs. That's just my own recommendation, but yes. maybe they don't watch that. Take time to go over what could be a record-setting linebacker contract and then come back in the beginning of August and get that done. To me, there's no need for it. At this point in time, like you said, if you wanted to talk about, oh, well, free agency, they had to focus on free agency. Whoop, they had to focus on Russell Wilson's contract. Oh, the rookie class. They had to get all those contracts done. It's all over. For them, everything is done now, and the sole focus of that building from a contractual standpoint with a player is Bobby Wagner, first and foremost. There is nothing that is holding them back from getting a deal done other than the fact of negotiation between Bobby and the organization. Mm -hmm. And are they that far off? Because Bobby, I know Bobby is looking at this and going fair market deal. This is a fair market deal. This is where the market is with C.J. Mosley's contract. And I don't care where it uh, rates in terms of the norm of the linebacker market. This is the new linebacker market that has been set. And I want to get paid and I have earned the right to get paid more than C.J. Mosley. And you, I know as Bobby Wagner, you as an organization are healthy in cap space more than you've ever been in the course of the next, not just this year, but in 2020 and 2021. So you don't really have a leg to stand on in terms of, well, we just can't fit it in with everything that we want to do. Yes, you can. And so Bobby has the right to ask for that kind of money, and it's really just a matter of how much over they are going to go for the C.J. Mosley contract. If the Seahawks don't want to do that, then you're running the risk of making, again, one of the most important players on your team, uh, and especially on your defense, upset, and waiting this whole thing out because he has the power to do so, and now you're forced to sign him uh, or tag him on a franchise tag, and you both don't want to go down that route. 
So it could get done before training camp, but I know Bobby Wagner wants to avoid that at all costs. He, if for him, representing himself, I know that not only getting that deal done, but also in the manner and timeline, getting it done sooner before he did last time would be a huge win to him and a vindication to show that, hey, I can represent myself, players can represent themselves, because he did not like the fact that he did have an agent last year and he didn't get his deal done all the way until uh, the training camp started. And mentioned that himself. And I know you brought it up as as something a couple weeks ago when you said, hey, this is one of the things we missed in OTAs was Bobby Wagner saying, yeah, I had an agent last time. And when I had that agent, I didn't get a deal done until August 2nd. And uh, as something that we kind of overlooked. Right. And it was such an interesting point. Um, all right. Coming up next, we are going to get into four down territory. Jake Heaps is going to answer four football questions, and we have some Washington football stuff in here. I'm excited about it. Let's get it. That's next on Seattle Sports at Night. This this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got deep, deep, deep. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Seahawks insider Stacy Ross, here with the quarterback, Jake Heaps, maybe the best person to answer four football questions. It's a... Uh, it's time we're trying to convert. This is the lead that Curtis always does. This is his four-down analogy. We're trying to convert before halftime. It's the final segment of the 7 o'clock hour, and we get four shots at getting a goal. Are you ready, Jake? Getting a goal? A touchdown, Sorry, Stacey. I was at a rugby game That's yesterday. Okay. That's all right. Is it even called a, a goal try. A rugby it's game? Called, a rugby game's called uh, a try. It's all right. I don't even care anymore. <laughs> How was it? Was it fun, though? It was really fun, but it was very weird seeing a game where I didn't know what was happening. Like It was like hearing another language and not knowing, realizing for the first time, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what that means. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> or if you hear like... Um, when people are like, this is what an American accent sounds like, and then yeah. they say gibberish, but they say it with an American accent, it was like that. It was very weird seeing something and not knowing what was happening. That was my long, extended answer. Let's get to question number one. Number one. ESPN listed their top sophomore breakout player for each AP Top 25 team. Linebacker Ariel Nagata was chosen for number 15, Washington. Do you agree, Jake, or is there someone else fans should be keeping an eye on? Well, Nagata is a, a, a quite an interesting prospect. Uh, yeah, I think he's a player that has a lot of upside and out, uh, outside linebacker who is also working on playing inside linebacker as well at 6'3", 216 pounds. Very versatile player, and is a lot is being put on his plate right now. And I know the Huskies would not be doing that unless they felt confident that he could take on that workload. And, and the, the young buck out of uh, Reno, Nevada, I think that this is going to be an opportunity where he has a chance to step up. Uh, his playmaking ability, I think, will really stand out. And this is another retooling year for the uh, for the Washington Huskies. But as we know the Washington Huskies and with Jimmy Lake, they don't retool, they don't rebuild, they reload. And I expect that this group is going to be just as good as the last. And the guy that I would say, in terms of a sophomore making a mm-hmm. big jump, the guy that I am looking towards to make the biggest impact is Joe Tyron, outside linebacker. It's 6'5", 266 pounds, uh, local kid from uh, Renton, Washington. I believe that he showed and jumped out on tape, and he had some big-time flashes towards the end of the year. Uh, and I think that this guy coming off the edge is going to be a massive impact player, and I expect him to have a monster year going into 2019. Jake, you know how I can tell you're local? How? Because you say Renton instead of Renton. No, oh, good. Yeah, I would hate to say it like that because that's not you how you imagine? say it. No, whenever people who aren't from here say, like Seahawks headquarters, 
Instead of, oh, it's in Renton, they go, it's in Renton. Yeah, have you ever heard Washington be called Washington? Yeah, by my own grandma. Unbelievable. She's from Alabama. Question number two. <laughs> number two. Which, which quarterbacks in the 2018 draft class do you expect to make the greatest jump from year one to year two? I think the obvious one is Baker Mayfield uh, from yeah. Cleveland. I think that he has the weapons around him, and obviously being the rookie of the year last year, he uh, deservedly so. He's a guy that you point to. I think he has enough moxie to uh, and the work ethic to really continue to build off of last year. Just but admit also, you're on the Browns bandwagon. No, right? I am definitely not. But <laughs> I think that he's got an opportunity here. And this could be something where his attitude proves to be a... I always just kind of wait for the shoe to drop on Baker Mayfield. That too. his attitude is going to get the best of him. And it just hasn't yet up to this point. So uh, I'm at some point, I'm going to need to accept that this is more of a strength for him and a unique brash personality but the other quarterback in the 2018 class that I think is going to make a big leap Sam Darnold needed I I think Sam Darnold is going to be the guy that can propel the Jets moving forward and I think for the first time he's got a offensive coordinator in Adam Gase that look Adam Gase had a rough rough go in Miami but I believe that he has what it takes to take a young player like Sam Darnold and to mold him and shape him into a franchise QB. And the Jets organization has to hit with Sam Darnold. And I believe that Sam has the mentality, both on and off the field, uh, to become one of those guys. And I think that he is going to, he's a very intelligent player and is a playmaker along with that, that uh, I think you're going to see great uh, strides from year one to year two with him. Fun fact, Jake, uh, the Jets have the least amount of road game kind of travel miles of all 32 teams. Really? Yeah, the Seahawks do not have the most, which you would expect, but uh, it's the Raiders. It's all the teams that are doing international games are kind of one through four. Gotcha. Does that even count, though? Well, you got to count it, but uh, the top five teams... One thing in common. Can you guess what it is? For for traveling the most miles. All, all West Coast. All West Coast teams. Of course. Yep. Of course. Just as you would expect. Question number three. Number three. What's going to be the key for the UW offense to have success in 2019? Identity. Simply. Yeah. Have an identity. Figure it out. And last year, it was really tough for them. You had no idea what this team really was. They were constantly fighting and polling in terms of who they were going to be. And in spring football, I don't know if they figured it out, quite honestly. So for them, it's going to be an establishing an identity and rolling with that identity. You have the talent. You have enough returning players to make this 2019 campaign a successful one. And for Bush Hamden going into year two, this is going to be a big year for him and this offense. And I believe the key to success for them is not necessarily developing the talent, although that's a huge aspect of the game in college football. It's simply finding an identity and sticking to it. Can I ask you a sneaky extra question? Yes. Extra down? Yes. What do you think that identity should be? I believe that this identity should be so- somewhat similar to the Seahawks. Not in the fact that you're going to be a heavy run-oriented team, but that you're going to establish the run game, and you're going to be able to use a passer like Jacob Eason to be able to throw deep down the field, uh, to be able to play a little bit more up-tempo than maybe the Seahawks would, and to give give Jacob Eason an opportunity and again Jacob Eason hasn't won the starting job but I'm just assuming that he's going to take the reins that you're going to go in there and and give him an opportunity to make quick decisions you know and and, and just keep things simple keep things simple question number four number four 
What will be the key takeaway we'll be able to gather over the next three days of mandatory minicamp for the Seahawks? Yeah, I think the the key takeaway that we're going to be able to gather over the next three days is where everybody stands. Where does everybody stand on this roster? Where do you stand in terms of the ones, the twos? Who has the greatest chance to make this roster and who is on the outside looking in? That is really what I will be paying attention to over the next three days. We can look at individual players and fall in love with the talent. But where are they realistically at with this roster and how does it all shape up? That's kind of the thing that I will be focusing on. And how do they continue to develop over the next three days, getting themselves in prime position to really make the 53-man roster come training camp? Because that's what you're really doing this for. And training camp is just that next phase. It's that final phase of your job interview through that and the preseason to show this team that you are worthy of making this roster. And so there's a lot of interesting battles that are out there. There's more young talent, more young depth than this team has had in a long time. And there's going to be a lot of competition moving forward. So three days, we're going to find out kind of who's sitting at the ones and the twos in the eyes of the coaches. And that was four down territory. As a reminder, so we're heading into the 8 p.m. hour next. And we're going to start with, I think is a fun conversation about um, rivalries that the Seahawks do or do not have anymore. But as a reminder, we close out the show every night with Ask Us Anything. You can text 710-710. That's the Coors Light text line. All of your questions will answer anything. We've gotten some weird questions. Yes, we have. Some of my personal favorites have been, and I mention this every time, which villain has a bad rap, which was and still is to this day my favorite Jake answer, and I need to find it and bring it up because it was the most impassioned speech I have ever seen Jake give about anything. And I forgot. It was the girl it was the girl with the braces oh from Dory. Gosh, it was the girl it, Darla. Darla, Darla from okay, Finding sorry. Nemo. Yes. So She'll, she just doesn't get enough credit apparently. She doesn't. And well and and we find out a lot about each other. Sometimes there's surprises, you know, uh, yeah. that we find out about each other or you know if you want to have an informative question that you that you haven't been able to hear throughout the show, shoot it our way. Yeah, you guys have Jake in here. Uh, obviously Stacey me, in here. Seahawks insider, but, uh, but I think the nights when you're here are always good questions for, or good times for people to send in kind of those X's and O's questions. I feel like that's when we see a lot of them. So you can text those in. Why are you looking at me? I'm serious. <laughs> you can text those in to the Coors Line, Coors Light text line 710-710. That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night.